Shane. You always had a situation in a big way, man. myself sometimes when I need to be properly different. Fuck. Tonight we welcome UK MMA legend Jim Owner, ultimate fighter veteran and owner of one of the greatest Polaris highlights ever with his Ippon Sienaghi to armbar, Jeff Ippon Lawson. Welcome Jeff. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, good. Nice. Excited. And nice to have you. at Adam. Well, everybody's talking about Adam. Oh, Adam sat <laughs> up for the, for the for the people that aren't watching. Adam's just sat upright. He was. Like, <laughs> 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 really? For people really that are for people that are viewing on YouTube, Adam's now sat up. For people that can't see, I actually have to cover Adam's camera because he moves around so much. It winds me up. So. I just cut, yeah. make him into a small circle and get a shot of him up the top, which uh, <laughs> seems to be the best best way to deal with him. That's a metaphor. Use Adam Day again. Mm. <laughs> that is a metaphor for <laughs> moving Adam into a small circle somewhere else, <laughs> not in the main um, night. Tonight we've discovered that Adam looks like Bob Hoskins' <laughs> character in uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. <laughs> <laughs> put that up. We'll put that up. When we put the um, podcast, we're going to put we that, to up, that in up. The yeah, I look, I look just like Chris Tamsworth. George, can mm-hmm. you do that beardy that picture of him and see if we can get a screenshot of Adam here? Because I think okay. we'll have that. For photo. That's, George, that's can, you, can you Photoshop Bob Hoskins into a gi? Uh, <laughs> might be able to make that happen. Thank you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get the screenshot. Stop crying, Adam. Stop crying. Read the screenshot. This, this is going to be mostly an abuse of Adam. So if you're not familiar with Adam, you're going to listen to someone you don't know getting abused in a tiny little circle. This is off my Skype window. Where my pants? What's been going on? How's um, isolation treating you over there? Uh, do you know what? It's it's not so bad, really. It's not so bad. Um, we've got a nice garden, so we're all right. The sun's been out. Yeah. Um, my kids have been okay, and I've got six mats on the deck in. We can do jujitsu. I've got a um, no nine mats here. I can't count. My son said. Uh, so it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm lucky that my son's taller than me. I say he's my son. We don't know who his dad is yet, <laughs> but he lives with us. Um, but he's um, he's as tall as me. So I can do jiu-jitsu with him. Amazing. Perfect. Tomorrow, tomorrow, he's going to fight his mum, who's, who's only done like two or three jiu-jitsu lessons. I'm going to go live. I don't know what time, probably at five, live at five. He's going to fight his mum to get the best uh, first three submissions. She doesn't know one submission. But she's, <laughs> re- but she's really, really strong. 
See, this is the thing, though, about mums, yeah? They don't know karate, but they know crazy, don't they? In the words of James, James Brown. They don't... You've got to struggle to beat your own mum in a fight. I mean, my mum's 70-odd, and she can still beat me up now. So. <laughs> Fact. I, I don't think oh, she's well, fit to flee, mate. To, you see the beatdown Leo's going to get from his mum tomorrow. She's got His mum, Leo's mum, has got arms like Tina Turner, mate. <laughs> the thing is, as well, mums see no. There's no rules with mums. See, yeah. she'll she'll start fighting tomorrow, and m- youngster, you got to be careful because your mum is gonna is gonna unleash no holds barred. It's not. It's gonna be old school, you know, smackdown time. It's not gonna be like legit rules. IBJJF rubbish. It's, it's gonna be ladders and chairs match. Yeah, it, yeah. It's gonna be wrestling style. Anything to 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 win. Do you yeah. hear that? Yeah. In trouble, in trouble, young yeah. Yeah. In trouble, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll beat my mum up. You won't. No, you won't. <laughs> I don't think you will either. As much as he, he is quite good at jiu-jitsu and pull-ups, he's still not as strong as his mum. Do you know why you're not as strong as your mum? No, because she's been fighting me off for about 14 years. <laughs> 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 True, true, true story. True story for most married men, mate. Yeah, stand on it. Yeah. So, what do you make in this situation at the moment, Jeff? We we sort of we were born. This podcast was born out of like um, the fact that everybody was going to be locked down and isolated pretty much to their own homes and like scratching around for stuff to do and in new territory what do you what do you make of the whole like pandemic virus you know just general thoughts about have you been conversating at home is it like does it make you are you bored by it does it make you anxious are you not really that fast you, you know what what sort of things go through your head when you think about it yeah so i've had um ups and downs um i've had uh, days where I've been a little bit um, panicked about it and then days after that I'm like you know what am I worried about and it's an an unreal time isn't it it's, it's a time that I you know we've never been through before it's totally new to us and and especially with uh, the, the social media aspect of it as well it's you know there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on with that and you see reports posted up. You see the Italian hospitals. Um, have you seen that video of the Italian hospital? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty scary. That look yeah. at those people. It's pretty scary. You're laid on your front. You're being breathed for, um, and people basically drowning on their own their their own build up of mucus in their lungs. But um, I am also in touch. Um, so that, so that's one. That's the sort of normal circle that I'm in. And then there's a, another circle of people that I'm in, and they're all sort of conspiracy theorists. And they're like, "Well, this isn't going on." And I don't know anyone. Friends of friends of friends of friends of friends who are infected. I've, I've personally, I've spoke to guys in. I've got two friends in Korea. I've got two friends in Italy, and I've got one friend in China. And they don't know anybody that's been infected. I've asked them, and they don't know anybody of friends or friends of friends who've been infected. But that's just them. Mm. You know, there are, how, you know, how do we know that, that I mean, you, you've, you've seen, Dave, that there's 21 people died. 
but they don't know that the, the the guys in Italy and China and all that and Korea they don't know that so they they've not been affected but they bloody hell mate you know 21 well you don't know 21 people but you've heard of 21 people in your your sort of hometown Harrow that have been have died of it for God's sake so this is a this is a it's a real thing it's a really strange thing and it's and um, you know what we're just at the we're just at the white line we're just at the precipice aren't we it, you know over the next week or so shit's gonna probably get real and this that's the thing that i hear people saying all the time and um but look i i i'm only going by what i'm read what i you know what the internet's feeding me and from people like yourselves that i hear so you know it's real it's happening and people are dying and you know um Well, I think they don't they don't make make makeshift morgues for nothing. No. <laughs> and I think I think we can we can be hostels. and yeah we can be we, we can rest assured no matter what the conspiracy is. And I'm not an anti-conspiracy theorist by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think any of the boys are here. That everybody's got quite an open mind. Yeah. But I definitely I'm 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 definitely if people are spending money on stuff as in oh, the government. It's yeah. it's re- it's real as it gets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, what, uh, well, what? Look, if it was a conspiracy, if it was a massive cover up, what an absolute performance people have had to be conspired in on. Yeah. Everybody in the world. Everybody. Mm. If it's, mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, so I've got. Um, look, as far as I go with it, I hope none of my circle of friends and family or anything like that get infected and die obviously not and i and i feel bad and i feel sorry for all the people over the world that have that have got it and that are, that are struggling with it and that are dying with it and that it's affected with it. it is a strange and terrifying deeply sad thing but i'm not going to sit at home and i'm worrying about it i'm going to sit at home and watch my son Look at girls on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> 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 I'm going to paint pictures of my little girl, and you know, watch her make clay things in the garden, and and look at my dog, and speak to my wife occasionally. You know, I'm just going to do the normal things that normal people do. We're just not allowed to go out too far, are we? I mean, no. you can walk to the shop. I walked the dog earlier. And um, I eyed up a load of um, a load of uh, railway sleepers that I'm going to take my um, my circular saw and the nick over the next couple of days <laughs> in my garden. But, um, I, I am going to do it. And um, you know, why we're not? I mean, I I just see it as a big a big um, as sad as it is. Look, honestly, let's be serious about it. I know this is a fun fun podcast, but um, as sad as it is. You know, there is a humanity is facing a real dilemma at the moment, and the you know the NHS are at the forefront of it, and you know up for for the UK, and we're gonna we're about to realise how absolutely fantastic those lot bloody are, you know, because they are they they're absolutely fantastic, and it's the guys that are looking after the hospitals and cleaning the hospitals and um, 
making sure the doctors are okay and making sure the surgeons are okay and it's all all of those people and when we come out of this i hope those people get what they deserve you know you know they should be paid so much more than what that they should be the most highly valued people in our society do you agree yeah i 100 percent agree yeah. i mean the thing, oh, the thing is you, you don't you don't people and society don't recognize you know all those people the people that um empty the bins and keep things clean and sweep the streets until someone reminds them how bloody important it is to all of us i mean i did have a bit of a rant yesterday on the podcast but you know not to revisit that i I do hope there's a newfound appreciation for people that contribute do stuff and a, a realization that the people that have been on you know not that i've got a hate for celebrity but i've got a little minor hate for celebrity but like your love island who don't produce absolutely anything they, they don't achieve really much apart from being in a relationship and then put themselves mm. on internet i hope there's a bit more balance in the world after this because it's not just us obviously this is going around the world you know every healthcare provider is is taking the brunt of this you know what i mean yeah. so yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is, I've got it a, is i've got sorry, a few Jeff. friends that they're um sorry Dave. i've got a few friends that are um they're uh one of my one of my close friends and a student of mine is uh his wife's a gp and she's just having to distance herself from her family they've got a kid who's four and who's seven and she's working all hours and you know people are still coming in for colds they're still coming in for coughs and they're still doing this and that and the Mm. other and you know their isolation is shit yeah it's really really bad and and you know um dave uh, also i'd like to say that uh that post you put up today about the mps cheering nurses and stuff not getting there the mps fucking cheering at that not getting a pay rise Mm. what's that what's that all about that that was yeah that was for all the public sector workers actually and that was to that wasn't just for a pay rise it was it was to halt austerity and to to give a pay rise in in line with inflation because there hasn't been one for these these healthcare workers and and it puts it into i think perspective when politicians during austerity have given themselves three huge pay rises over that time i think they've had about fourteen thousand pound in pay rises yeah uh, over the last few years which is it which is savage savagely unfair and now you know i think what make makes me cross is that they're out you know boris johnson is out the front of his house 10 downing street or whatever clapping them but like the last time they cheered them, they were cheering about them not getting a pay rise, which is yeah. disgusting and disappointing. And and, and yeah. the NHS workers won't forget that they've not had the support. You know, whether we like it or not, they are underfunded. And if it breaks, yeah. it'll have broke earlier. Then it, it. I'm not saying it wouldn't break anyway, but it'll only break earlier because it is so underfunded. So, you know, it, it's disappointing. I think, and and it doesn't help. No. The public recognise what the important work they do when our government aren't recognising it. You know what I mean? Beforehand, that is. Yeah. Do you know what? One of the, one of the, about life, right? What's one of the most important things about life to you guys? Well, your health, isn't it? It's your body, isn't it? It's your yeah. body. 
those guys are the, the mechanics of your body. They can mm. fix what is wrong with your body. If you, your body isn't fixed and you die, life is over, isn't it? Yeah. So these guys fix your body and they make your life life alive. Yeah. You know, they give you, you know, if you don't look after your life yourself, they can give you longevity in your life, can't they? 100 percent what is more important than that the health of your family and yourself is is that is it that's all you've got in it really ultimately yeah. and i think now people are you know and and this is not you know this is not right but people will be losing their jobs and they will be losing their businesses and money will be tight but your health ultimately is what people are, will worry about in the end when this gets really serious and we are filling up <coughs> tents worth of uh, dead bodies and and oh, uh, you know refrigeration units and things like that because that that is you know I think the difficult I don't know if you agree with me Jeff but I think the most frightening thing for a lot of people out of this is the fact that we are almost looking in the future in the sense that when you have a look over the water and you look at Spain and you look at Italy you yeah. sort of see what's coming that <laughs> coming down the road and you think God that doesn't look good yeah. Do you know what I mean that that, that looks really bad yeah how many weeks behind them are we Two weeks, two weeks. Two, yeah, two weeks. So, look, we, so we've got two weeks. We've got, we, and they're losing know, a thousand people a day. They lose the They lost a thousand people, I think, today. Am I right in that? Has anyone can confirm yeah, that? Nine hundred eighty-nine or something, wasn't it? So, yeah, that's well, a lot Italy of people to and die. Past Italy. Um, I think that was in Spain, wasn't it? Was that yeah. in Spain? Spain. I thought Italy had. They reckoned that they'd hit their peak now, and they were. Yeah, Spain are now the, the boys. Yeah, America will be the boys next week. Yeah, America. America yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then it'll I mean, be us the week after. America's gonna really? be savage. Yeah. yeah. April, April, mid-April is when they think we're gonna okay. peak. Okay, is this nature fighting back? Could be. Oh, yeah, I, I, I actually heard, think. I heard that. Do you know what the world's most trafficked animal is? The world's most trafficked animal. Right. That's the single most trafficked animal in the entire world. What and is they it, fucking a pangolin. What's that? Right, Looks like an armadillo. It's like an oh. armadillo and an anteater crossed. Right, okay. It's a gorgeous little creature, absolutely beautiful. They live in Africa and Monday. they catch them by the absolute thousands, right? And it's and it's getting to rare, right? They I've read things on them that they that's where it came from. That that's the uh, thing that it came. They from. eat them. They but fucking the, eat. They eat their scales. They it's their oil as well, isn't it? They, there's an oil you can source from them that's uh, used for medicinal purposes, I believe. Or Chinese love medicine. Probably. Yeah, bull, bull Something like that. Yeah. Bullshit yeah. medicinal purposes. Let's face yeah. it. It's fucking yeah. bullshit. It is, right. yeah. yeah. So that's um. Let's let's fucking hope. Okay, what? Let's hope. And uh, you know, I'm a bit of a fucking hippie. Let's hope that this earth is fucking alive, and this earth is gone. Do you know what? You pricks, fucking yeah. have this. Let's let's hold some of you guys. Stop mm. killing me. Stop killing this. Mm. <laughs> that's. Do you know what, Dave? 
to answer your question, I hope the Earth's alive and the Earth is fucking fighting back, mate. That's what yeah. I hope. No, and I, and I, I don't think there is anything wrong with that. And I think that's probably the truth, even just by natural tendencies through history, we've seen, you know, absolute, you know, leveling of, of sp different species in the natural, you know, look at, you know, the, the most famous one is the dinosaurs <laughs> at the end of the day, you yeah. know, it's, it, it's the, the, the strongest survive, don't they? And, um, when you, that's when the you love talking to T-Rex, mate, no, <laughs> and when you fuck with something so much, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck's sake! That's true. Yeah, oh, I have to rethink yeah. that. Yeah. Is it stronger than an asteroid, though? <laughs> no. Have you ever seen? There you go. An asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get a top Adam, star on this one. That's your point, Adam. That's your point to come in, Adam. I can't oh. say anything, mate. Bob Hoskins, come in. Bob Hoskins is it? Hoskins is back in. Do you want to see my pants, Jeff? Look at my pants. Do you like them? We should be video. Really? It's my pants, mate. Star Wars pants. Is that mushrooms? They're Star Wars pants. Star Vader, mate. Especially for you. No, I'm talking about your willy. I think it goes inwards, mate. That is... It's inverted, mate. That's East Dorset. an acorn in a perfect it's a walnut whip holding a tic tac. So go on. Who's who had the first question? Ad, Ad you ask Jeff the first question. You got, we've got to introduce everyone, Dave, because Jeff Jeff might not know. Oh yeah, okay. So introduce yeah. yourself, boys. Hi Jeff. Uh, I'm Adam. You used to give me lifts in your car. And you very kindly gave them to me. Hold on, Adam. Before that, I used to kick the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? I remember Remember it, mate. You used to armbar me. You used to armbar me quite a bit, didn't you? Yeah. Did he ever give you petrol money, Jeff? Ginger. He didn't, no. But I used to offer that. I used to offer. I used to say, yeah, Jeff, you want some money, mate? And he'd go, no, mate, you're all right. You're all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, mate. Uh, I'm Jordan. Uh, you didn't used to give me lifts. <laughs> I'm Ryan. You've I'm never given Jordan. me a lift either. <laughs> and I'm Kerry. Never... I've never had a lift. <laughs> and I'm Dave, and I wouldn't mind a lift, to be fair. Yeah. I'm always the driver. Dave, I'll come down the club and give you a lift, mate. No give problem. me a lift, mate. No, what about me, Jeff? Do I get a lift again? You've had too many lifts, lad. Big lad. To be fair, you're better off giving Adam a lift than him driving. Yeah, that's what? true. Yeah, you well, were amazing. Yeah. Adam, where are you from again? Mars. Everywhere, mate. The whole world. No, fuck off. Where, 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 <laughs> where you were getting the train? Where were you getting the train to when I used to give you a lift? Oh, I used to have to go. I used to live in um, Fernham. Why did I have to drop drive. you off in Boscombe then? Because I had to run <laughs> to, I had to run to the travel interchange and then we'll get a bus, <laughs> and then get a bus from there to my house. <laughs> Sometimes I'd miss it and I have to run home. What, what you from um, what from Niverton Road? Yeah, those were the days, mate. Niverton Road, days. saucy, mate. Well, because I couldn't <laughs> drive. I couldn't drive, mate. Let's drive. And he still and he still can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I still can't drive properly. Yeah. Uh, I've got two issues. Two issues in my life: driving, reverse safe toilet syndrome, reversing yet, yeah, and safe reversing toilet syndrome. Is we can do a whole podcast. We can do a whole podcast on that one day. Safe toilet syndrome. It's a legitimate like problem. What's that? What's that? So when you excrete from my bottom, I have to be completely calm. <laughs> His mouth. I have to be really, really <laughs> calm. Most of Adam's voice. <laughs> I have to be really calm, preferably naked, and reading. <laughs> and if I can't do that, I can't poo. But you what, can piss what's anywhere. that in the background? Where? Behind me? No, someone said something in the background. I don't know, but I was, I was thinking this is a fucking podcast killer. Listen, to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just looking at me. I was looking at me. I'm like, what? Let's get back to my question. To be honest, in a, if you put him in a little circle as well, he looks like Mr. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Doubtfire. <laughs> Mr. Doubtfire. Yeah. Looks, looks like he's got a hat. I know where you've got yeah. white around you. It looks like a big head, like, like you're in a or something. Yeah. Where? I don't know. We'll have to get Cronk to edit the bit about the toilet. Yeah. Oh no, I'm leaving that in there. No, start times. Right, question then, Jeff. Question. Tell us about your early days in martial arts and your journey to owning a successful gym. I um I started judo. I'm a I'm a judo player by by um by heart really. So I started that. Um, there was a community centre, Canmore Community Centre, when I was a kid, and I was probably about, I think I was eight, I was eight years old when I started, um, and uh, we used to go in and take the piss, because when we were eight, we were allowed out, we're not allowed out now when we were eight, are we? Oh, this time, you know. <laughs> so, so we were all, there were eight-year-olds, literally everywhere. You couldn't go two, you know, two feet without bumping into an eight-year-old when I was younger. And uh, we used to go to the local community centre where they had knitting clubs and uh, food banks and all that sort of stuff. And um, there was a judo club in there. So uh, we went in there to take the piss. And back in the day, when I was eight, oh, God, what's that? 90, I'm 40 years old now. Work that out. Someone work that out. 41 I am, eight when I was eight. What year would that have been? Eight, seven. But anyway, you were allowed to grab hold of people that weren't your children back then. <laughs> so we used to go into the place where they did judo and the judo instructor, Jeff, who's like a dad to me, like a father to me, he um, grabbed us onto the mat, made us take our shoes off, grabbed us, pulled us in through the fucking door and said, right, fight him. And there was a couple of lads that had been there for a while and they used to fill us in. And so uh, I thought, oh, I quite like this. And uh, that was it, really, that I started judo. Um, and then uh, I had a little bit of a break in between, came back for a little bit. And then and then literally, I probably, I've probably been, since 10 years old, I've been doing martial arts. I started when I was eight, had a break, and then and did it from when I was ten years old. Uh, and and I did. I started with uh, little local tournaments, inter clubs, and things like that. And then I built up to regional 
um, like Hampshire Championships and things like that. And then I'd go on to area, Southern Area Championships and then National Championships. So I started with judo and I was never, to be fair, I was never really very good at judo. I, uh, that was all I did. Um, I was left-handed, so it made it awkward for me to throw people in judo. And um, up until I was about, I think, 16 or 17, I'd had a little, t- you know, I'd had little tiny bits of success here and there. Um, but then one of my friends, uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie Newbury, his name is, he did a, and he was Trevor Birmingham's, you know, Trevor Birmingham, Adam, you know, yeah. Trevor, yeah, yeah, yeah. black belts. Trevor Birmingham and, that, and Jamie, his friend, uh, they were the same age. They are the same age. That they were like uh, young guys, sort of heroes. These guys were really strong. They were ripped and they were good at judo and and it was brilliant. It was great. You know, it was something for me to look up to. And uh, Trevor was always a really really good judo player. Whereas Jamie did this um, uh, one of the first grappling events in the UK and they, and they did it at uh, High Wycombe Judo Club and Jamie fought Lee Remedios and Lee Remedios is one of the pioneers of UK MMA yeah 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 um, and was, uh, he, he fought this tournament and then he said Jeff there's another tournament coming up I can't do it but would you like to take my place so I took his place in this tournament and it was no headshots it was an MMA tournament absolutely no headshots i've done no striking or anything like that so these guys were punching me in the body i had i had, a, I had some abs then i haven't got any abs anymore and <laughs> punch, punches in the body didn't do anything back then um because i you never fought any like really really good boxers so i just get get hold of these guys in in this mma tournament throw them and uh arm lock them and um that was um oh, i I think that was like 1998, 1999. Was it, was it KSBO? Was it KSBO? No, no it was um, the, uh, oh, let me think. Hold on. I had it on the tip of my tongue then. Ultimate Combat. Ultimate oh, yes. Combat. Yeah. 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 Run by a guy called Dale. Yes. Yeah. Massive ginger, ginger-haired guy. He looked a little bit like Christopher Reeve. Yeah. And he used to run, um, he used to run. MMA Universe. MMA Universe. Uh-huh. Yes. Back in the day, I, I fought on his like, Ultimate uh, Combat shows. Yes, Harbinger gloves. Yeah, Harbinger gloves with the with the plastic pipe in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. What do you say, Dave? You fought on his shows, or you followed him? I fought on his shows. No, I fought on his shows. I fought uh, one of the Manchester Ground and Pound guys. Remember them boys, Ozzy Haluk and. Yes, I know Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah, fought one of them guys. Um, Mark Chen fought, Dave Webb yeah. fought. We all fought together on there because we all trained in the same place. So, yeah, that was that was Ultimate Combat two and three, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They offered me a fight. Well, I fought in um, the the national championships. His first national championships, I won that at lightweight, and the second and the third, I think, I won. Um, and then he offered me to fight on Ultimate Combat one. But he offered me, um, who's the mad Brazilian guy? It was really, really good back in the day. Um, 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 what, from I London Shoe? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, keep talking. Bit, and I'll... 
a bit of capoeira he did. Yeah, uh, it was, and I used to train with him because he used to train at London Shoot. Um, it that. was, um, oh my god. He fought Imanari anyway. Imanari beat him. But, um, he fought. Um, he fought. Um, who's the other guy he fought as well? Um, Paul Daly. He fought Paul Daly. He fought all of those guys. Anyway, um, at the same time as that show, there was a the first one of the first cage rages. And I fought, and that was in Southampton, and that was my hometown. So I fought on that instead, and uh, it was the same night. And Dale said, "Look, mate, I was in a fifty-pound contract, fifty pounds per <laughs> fight." And Dale said, um, "Look, mate, I'm sorry, I'm not to release you from the contract." <laughs> so I fought on this. I fought on the one. Like, it was one of the first cage rages. I think it was Cage Rage 1 or 2 or something like that. Back you were in a poo, Jeff? No, back when Dougie Truman did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is having a poo, mate. I'm having a poo. You're having a poo. I'm not having a poo. He's not having a poo. Are you having a sit-down wee? I'm not having a sit-down wee. He hasn't got safe toilets in Germany. He doesn't need a poo. Hello. Hello. There's no six other guys on this. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it. So, um, where were we? Yeah, so I did yeah. that, and 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 basically, I I went, um, I did ten, or I think I did ten amateur fights. Uh, I won all of them exactly the same way, uh, and then I did. Um, a um, one semi pro fight back in the day, it was exactly the same, and that was with a guy down here. and I drew that, um, and then I then I went into my pro pro, and I think I, I think that might have been 2003 2004 pro MMA, and that's when I started Thai boxing as well. Um, yeah, that's that, that was, that's my background basically. I, I used to do um. So I started with judo, and then I did a little bit of boxing with some travelling guys because Tottenham's got a big travelling community. Uh, and I was boxing with a guy called Danny Cooper, who's a very, very good boxer and coach. Um, my judo coach is Jeff Hatcher. And then um, I didn't have much success in judo. Moved to MMA, found a lot of success. So that made me, you know, made me a bit happier. And then I moved, and then and then my career just sort of um, went from there, really. And, and I, don't think I was doing MMA when it was still sort of style versus style. What do you think you were attributed to your success, Jeff? Was it your judo background? You know, you were saying you weren't um, that successful in judo, but was it because you adapted the skill set to you know more of a real fight scenario that it worked out for you? Is that? Yes. Yeah. That was. Um, Okay, what the the first thing was is that because it was still style versus style, grappling was um, until I got to the big cage rages and things like that. Grappling was was better. Grappling was was a better, more grounded style. Um, and then I won. I think I won my first two pro fights or first three, and then I came up to a striker. I fought a guy called Andre Winner, 
who was in the UFC as well. He beat the absolute shit out of me. Um, he was very good. So he was really, really good. He beat the crap out of me. And um, because I'd never faced a striker like that before, um, a striker who knew how to defend groundwork because he had a very, very good team behind him. But what I attribute to my success initially is they couldn't defend they couldn't defend the grappling. People couldn't defend um, grappling. And uh, there wasn't, back then, there wasn't a lot, I mean, the highest grades in the country back then were, were blue belts. I remember seeing Alex D'Souza on one of my first two shows. He fought in a bare, pair of um, blue speedos. You can ask him. Uh, you know, proper Valley Tudo stuff. He did, swear to God. That's when I first met him. Uh, That was the the height of. Where's everyone going? All pinging off. That was the Hello? height of, you know, um, jujitsu in, in in the UK. So people didn't know how to deal with grapplers, mm. and there weren't many judo guys doing um, cross training. There weren't there weren't many back back then. There weren't. Mm. Mm. So what uh, what do you? I asked. I uh, we had Mark Chen. You know Mark. Um, yes. We had him on the show the other day. And yeah. I, I wouldn't mind asking you the same question to see, yeah. just compare the answers, because <clears throat> the question I asked is, um, what do you see? Because you still train or you have MMA guys going to your gym. You still have a, yeah. you're still surrounded by MMA. What is the difference between fighters back then, attitudes, motivations and things like that, and fighters nowadays, um, you know, in the modern era of of MMA it, can you see is there is there much of a difference yeah total difference um i'll tell you the difference that i can see the difference is um it's become a sport back then it was a fight right and it was a fight that me you adam any of the other guys we could go oh okay this guy's having a, a fight down the road uh would you like to be on the show okay anybody with a little tiny bit of martial arts background, could go and do that fight, right? Now, it's a sport. And people look at you and they go, well, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that, you need to be doing that to get into this show. You can't, back in the day, you could just you could just go, I want to be on that show. And then one of the promoters would go, oh, I've got this guy, he does judo. I've got this guy, he does kickboxing. That'd be a good match. Now, um, you've got to have a little bit of, uh, almost a little bit of um, pedigree behind you. So, you've got to have been training for a certain amount of time. You've got to, in MMA, you've got to, it's no longer style versus style, is it? Is everyone, are you still recording this? Because everyone seems to be leaving. Yeah, no, no, yeah. We're, we're here, mate. It just, um, the signal went down and Dave's just popped off, so his, his computer's probably blown up, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the. Um, that's now he's back. So when when did you start doing um, Capoeira, BJJ, sort of mixing it all together, MMA style, rather than just doing judo and uh, Muay Thai? When did you start training them all, sort of thing? I don't know. What, I can't remember when I started Capoeira, but um, I did. Um, so everything sort of came at once. 
So I went from judo and I cut my judo training down and I did, uh, I started with capoeira and, and Thai boxing at the same time. I was, was I doing Thai boxing? No, 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 I didn't. No, I started with capoeira and uh, I used to come to a couple of Phil Norman's classes and, um, uh, from, um, that was after my first couple of fights. My first couple of fights at amateur, was it amateur? Or pro? No, at pro. My first couple of fights at pro, I didn't um, have, I didn't do any pad work, nothing. Little, you know, ri- ridiculous amount of pad work to be going in. That's why I got filled in by good, really good strikers. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, I've lost the train of thought now. What did you say, Adam? When did you start mixing it all together, training all the different styles and training how you think, you know, sort of modern people train today? Um, do you know what? I, I still didn't. I, just, I was just playing. I was just yeah. playing until, until 2009. Uh, that's, that's when everything changed for me, when I, when yeah. I uh, um, got into the Ultimate Fighter, really. I was still winning, I was still winning pro fights, um, with a little bit of Thai boxing, a lot of grappling. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of striking and a lot of grappling. Um, I can't remember when uh, specifically, but um, yeah. Because when, when you were in the Ultimate Fighter, were you a blue belt, were you? Uh, I was a, I was only blue belt, yeah. I was a blue belt in the armor yeah. fighter. Yeah. But I but by then I'd had so many years of judo behind me, so many years of grappling behind me. Mm. Yeah. And that was probably when I was uh well older, like 23, 24. Or 20 no, 27. I was 27. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I met you when I when I moved down here it was twenty 2010 or 2011 because I know you'd just come off the ultimate fight yeah. and I was like oh Jeff Jeff so I'm coming to see Jeff uh, give you me were, a lift you were, give me a lift please mate is all I was <laughs> but you were like yeah, you, you were sort of yeah you were sort of you were sort of famous and um you, you were you had a because uh, you were Car. working as well weren't you work working in the um the bulldog wasn't it you had you had a job there yeah. when you were yeah yeah personal training and yeah, one to ones, bit one to one, bit of personal training, and 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 uh, yeah, that that was that really. That was, but that's when that's when I started to be. Look, one of the big things that was going around a few years ago was, um, oh, Bournemouth is a funny place, and there's a lot of guys walking around Bournemouth going, yeah, I'm a pro fighter, I'm pro this and pro that, and they were fighting under a, a, a set of professional rules, right? They weren't fucking pro fighters. They were just fighting under professional rules. Yeah. To be a pro fighter, that is all you do. Yeah. All you bloody do. And that's what, when I was doing it, that was all I bloody did. I was yeah. doing, I was teaching people MMA <clears throat> in the day, doing MMA with them. And then at the end of, However many weeks I was having a professional fight. That was it. Sure. Yeah. Cronk, you had a question about um, for Jeff, didn't you, about his uh, fighting career? I did, yeah. 
can't remember what it was though. It's been a while. It was, some, it was something to do with just uh, what? Can you just tell us what it was like in the Ultimate Fighter House? Oh, actually, how did it all come about, Jeff? Yeah, that was it, how wasn't did, it? Yeah. How did it? What how did it? Go on, sorry. Go on. And what had off Dave's question? How did it come about? And what was it like being in a house full of blokes that you were going to have to fight? Okay, so um, uh, by that time, I think I'd had uh, in my 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 pro career. Uh, I think I'd had eight, nine, or ten straight wins at pro, um, and uh, in 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 the UK that was quite a good record in the UK, and that's that streak of it. I, I can't remember completely. I'd have to have a look on um, in my not in my universe on um, one of the one, yeah, one of the, one of those. I'd, I'd had quite a few. It was seven, eight, nine, or ten. I can't remember honestly how many fights I've had, and I'd won them in a row. Um, so that put me in good stead. Now everybody in the UK at that time had heard of the uh, trials. I couldn't get up to the trials that day, but I did have a good manager at the time, Carl Sams, who was in touch with the with one of the UK. Um, one of the UK promoters for the UFC, who, who they, uh, I think it was Paul Hennessy. Um, I'd never met the guy. I didn't know who he was. But anyway, Carl was speaking to him, blah, 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 blah. It was all old, all old school sort of stuff. They got me uh, through to the interview stage. I didn't have to go to the trials. They got, on my, I think on the back of my record, so on the back of my wins and the work that I'd done, they got me an interview in Vegas, which was, pretty bloody cool to be fair so they flew me over to vegas they paid for to fly me over to vegas and um we went to vegas and did these these interviews and it was like walking into a, a board meeting so we were in this this uh hotel this uh it was the, called the palace station hotel in vegas and they called us up and they said right you wait here it was some of the film crew and it was wait there wait there wait there well, okay now you can go in and we went to this hotel room. Oh, well, I went to this hotel room, and there was a the, the, there was a few directors in there, and they tore you to pieces, right? They literally, <laughs> they were like, "Where the fuck? Who the fuck just pushed you in here?" And uh, I was like, "Actually, I just sort of I'm not even supposed to be here, you know." I was like, I I just joked along with the guy, and uh, and it seemed to work. They said about my um, my record, they liked the record. And uh, my personality came across. I used to have a personality back then, <laughs> and uh, they, you know, they liked it. They they liked it, and and they offered me a spot on there, but obviously not straight away. But the next sort of the next few days, they said, look, we, you know, we'd like to offer you a spot on the show. Uh, you'll have to come up to the Wolf's Lair in Manchester, where you can um, fight for your place to get on the show. And that's how that amazing. happened. Yeah, amazing. So who did you fight on that show? I fought um, on that show. I fought the first guy I fought was uh, James Bryan. He was a UK guy. He fought a couple of guys down here, um, and I just threw him and I armbarred him, the same as I did with all of my other guys. Um, and then we, and then from that, we stayed in a hotel in the UK for a couple of days, and then we flew to Vegas from Manchester Airport, and um, then we went to, and then we stayed in this mansion an absolute mansion in vegas and and guys honestly i cannot tell you 
they were giving us everything we wanted, apart from you know, apart from musical instruments and and um, lap dancers and and stuff like that. We couldn't get any of that. But um, <laughs> honestly, there was a whole walk-in a walk-in wardrobe, walk-in um, cupboard of alcohol. Oh, they man. wanted us to drink. And they wanted, but they wanted, they still obviously, you know, there's a professionalism behind it and they wanted us to fight and stuff like that, but they wanted TV as well. And um, it was amazing. The, 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 the tap out guys, um, the poor guy that died, I can't, I can't remember his name though. He uh, crashed his uh, Porsche or something, didn't he? But they were there. They gave us, they were the most generous guys, the tap out guys. They gave, we had a bag, uh, you know, those big um, like net bags for training. Mm, a big yeah. net bag. We had a net bag like every two or three days of trainers, of training tops, of rash guards, of tracks. It was literally like every two or three days. We had a massive bag of stuff. They were, they gave us stuff left, right and centre. Amazing. Before, and who was, who, who was the coaches on it, uh, on your uh, season? Uh, Michael Bisping and Dan Henderson. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and do you keep in contact with any of the guys from the shows. Do you still do you still speak to anyone that was on the show with you? I do. Yeah, I do. I'm probably closest with Dean Amasinger, mm. um, uh, who's over in who runs the UFC fight team in Singapore now. I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. But then I do you know what I, I was quite good friends with Stapes and uh, Dave Faulkner. I got on with Dave Faulkner in the house more than all of the other guys. Uh. But we don't keep in contact that much. And James Wilkes and um. Every, all the guys were great in there. Like mm. you know what? And if I messaged them, if mm. I did message them, I could speak to them. Mm-hmm. Well, you James know, Wilkes has just had his documentary, isn't he? That's come out. That's the game changer. Yeah. That's 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 right, isn't it? That's the James yeah. Walks you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's done very well for himself, hasn't he? he? He's done right. Um, Ross Pearson always messages back. He's a f- absolute great guy. Ross Pearson is. Mm. Uh, he always messages. He's always funny. He always he always takes time to chat. I mean, most of the guys do. They really do. Really, really do. Even yeah. the American guys. Yeah. I really okay. Yeah, and there's, I guess, who's still in the game from a professional point of view? I know Stapes is still fighting Cade Warriors, isn't he, I think? Um, yeah. Is there anybody it's, else that's still... Out, isn't he, his last fight. That's right, yeah. I think Ross is still fighting. Uh, I think Andre Winner did a, a K1 bout recently. Mm. Um, and that's, I think that's it. I mm. think that's it. I don't know about the American guys. I really don't. And do you, I know do you have... Richie went on and did quite well um but that's about it yeah yeah well james wilkes didn't do too badly himself did he in the end when he when he actually he had a few fights didn't he i think did he i know i know he won didn't he but i don't know if he didn't he get injured or something didn't he blow his knee or something he did in the end but i'm sure he's i don't know if he won any fights in the ufc i'd I'd have to double check I, i i literally don't know i literally don't know do you look at those times with fond memories, Jeff? You, 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 you any not regrets, but anything, you know? Do, do, is it one of those sort of things you look at and thought, well, if I'd have won this fight or if I'd have done this, my life would have gone in that path or that path? Is it? Is that something? Is that the? Do you do that as a person at all, or you know, is that something you think of ever? I do think of it. 
And I do think that if I um, if I'd won that, my life would have taken a very different path. And I wouldn't. And, and I look at it like this. I wouldn't have what I have now. Mm. I've got a great life. I've got a great academy. I've got the most wonderful family. And I wouldn't have that. If I'd have won that ultimate fighter, I probably would have um, I probably would have married a stripper from Vegas. <laughs> had a load had a load of um, a load of illegitimate children. Let um, alcohol and drugs get to my head and uh, just been a rock star, a film star. <laughs> no, it's not That's horrendous. <laughs> yeah, exactly though and, and some people do do that don't they they go mental yeah absolutely and um it's every, dave everything in my life has taken me up to this moment and and it's all good mate at the moment yeah. my life is all good mate it's yeah you've got to be thankful haven't you because you know like like you say it, it just because you've had success in something doesn't think, think mean it would make your life better, does it? it doesn't it? No. That's not how it works. Not at all. My life's you know. amazing. Honestly, we're in lockdown. I've got a, uh, a decent sized garden. I've got a lovely sized house where you can isolate from the rest of the family if you needed to. Um, I've got a wonderful business full of wonderful people, and you know I can I can. What else? What else would money bring? And fame? What else would that bring? nothing else yeah absolutely i've got, I've got everything i need everything yeah. i need i've got yeah i think being especially in these times when everybody's cooped up i think being grateful and being thankful is something that um you know a lot of people lose track of you know what i mean and and having a bit of gratitude for where you are and what you've got um especially when you're seeing all these scenes now where people are in hospitals and they're going through really horrible times and you know stuff like that i, I think yeah. it's we had a guy called alan witten on yesterday who's yeah. like a, a mind coach guy yeah. really interesting guy to talk to and listen to and uh, and i think that was sort of perspective you know focus on what you have got not what you haven't got you know what i mean and i think that's like a an, an important um perspective to maintain when you are in times that are perceived to be tough like this one you know what i mean but yeah when, when, and it will be tough. I mean, one of the things I was going to ask you, really, actually, just just going similar topic, but you, you know, you mentioned you've got a really successful academy, which you have. You've got a, you know, a very well-known academy. Um, loads of great competitors coming out of it. People coming out of it. But how do you think this is going to affect BJJ and gyms moving forwards? Like, you know, we we can see loads of small businesses, not just BJJ businesses, but like all over the place suffering and struggling do you think this is going to change the f aspect of uk bjj moving forwards do you know what i mean um what, what what what's going on now yeah what's going on now how it's affecting you know you must see it loads of bjj gyms it's so sad to see them yeah. they're struggling yeah. at the moment yeah, you know is. once this is all done how do you think this is going to pan out for uk bjj do you think there's a recovery on the on the line or uh, I think uh, BJJ to us, in our in our world, uh, um, is huge, right? Isn't it? It's, it's a yeah, massive it is, yeah. part of our life. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a very, very, very small part on on the world, isn't it? It's a it's a small yeah. thing, and and there are um, gymnastic schools, there are there are dance schools, there are. Um, 
all sorts of other things where you get that close to another person and it's affected it. Um, I think uh, as a human being, you need connection. And, and I don't think taking away that connection is going to stop people from needing it and stopping people from wanting it. Come, who knows what comes out at the end of this? Who knows at the end of these, at the end of these three months, let's say, what happens? Yeah, there are going to be schools that close. There are going to be gyms that don't just don't recover from this. Um, but people are always going to need connection, and people are and people like us, and there's only a few like us, and we're going to need combat, and we're going to need that. Um, that connection and that combat you know and adam you'll know as well from this that some people come to you that might be a little bit adam you there yeah i'm still there mate i can't see your face um, sorry mate can you see it now baby? it's not a bad thing no i know <laughs> um all i've got is a circle but you'll know that you get a, sometimes you get a certain sort of person right that comes to your gym that yeah. um hasn't had enough hugs as a kid or they haven't had or they or they have and they're missing it and they're trying to find it yeah and, and they're missing something and connection is a is mm. a is a is a human need isn't it connection it is, yeah. and even though our area of life jujitsu is is relatively small on the amount of people that are in the world it's still some a certain type of person that needs connection and combat mixed mixed together. Yeah. And once you've tasted it, you need it again, no? That's why it's quite addictive. That's mm. one of the reasons, not all of the reasons, but one of the reasons it's mm. quite addictive is, is because you get that energy transference with another person. Some yeah. people, you get a nice energy transference. Some mm. guys try to kill you mm. in, in sparring. And, but it's that connection that people miss. And... And jujitsu is, like I keep saying, albeit quite a small thing on the on the grander scale of things, but it's what we pick to do, guys. Mm. You know, yeah. jujitsu is the connection, the human connection that, that me and you, Adam and Dave, we've pick, we've picked to do, and that's uh, something that isn't going to change with human nature. Um, and I don't think. And I don't think coming out of this, I think people would just connect again anyway. And, you know, Adam, you've built up a lovely school of people. Cheers, I've mate. Built up, I've built up a nice school of people. Those people are still going to want want that connection. And they've and the connection they've built up with the other people in your gym. Yeah. And, it, and it's that it's that unseen and unspoken thing that that um, will keep us together. They, you know, they talk about <clears throat> in jiu-jitsu, it's an absolute cliche. Like, oh, it's your jiu-jitsu family, blah, 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 blah. Um, look, you can call your customers your family, Adam, can't you? You can call them your yeah. family without yeah, making yeah. a bloody connection, right? But if you put the time and mm. effort into making connections with the people around yes. you, then only then can you start calling your family. Just because you open a jiu-jitsu yeah. club, someone pays you a, a membership. Yeah. Oh, it's my jiu-jitsu family. They're this, they're that. Yeah, but you yeah. don't know fuck all about them. You've got to spend that, the time. Yeah. That infuriates me. You give them your I, time, give them your energy. Yeah. 
Adam, one of the things I, I, I uh, and Dave, one of the things I like about my places is people know each other in my mm. gym. It's my little community. Um, yeah. People know each other. I, I, I can get through a whole line of people at the end thing, and, and I know all of their names. I don't yeah. know um, all of the, the Thai boxing names. My Thai boxing coaches do. Um, but I know all of the guys that come to jiu-jitsu. I pretty much know 98% of their name. Yeah. And I go through, and that is the thing that makes um, people feel, uh, gives them a little bit of word. Oh, fucking, the, the coach knows my name. He, you know, he's, he's rolled, he's taken the time to roll with me tonight. Mm. He's done this, he's done that. And that's, and that's part of building a club. Yes. Not, yeah. Build a not, community. Oh, it's not, oh, I'm the most, I'm the best jiu-jitsu guy in the world. Mm. Look at this, mm. look at this. Adam, you can, you know as well as I do, you can go anywhere and get good jiu-jitsu. You yeah. can go down here, down the road, up yeah. there, down the corner, and the armbar would be pretty much the same that you learn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the difference is, is people latch on to the people that are at the academy and the yes. instructors that are at the academy. Yeah. And with that, uh, going back to your question, Dave, that is where people are going to come back to. Mm. Small, the, some of the clubs aren't going to survive, like I said, but people are going to want to go back and they're going to want to support that. Mm. Now, loads of the things that are going around, if, you, if you've seen, the um, people like support your club, and it's it's all over all over Facebook and Instagram, isn't it? So support your club yeah. here, support your club. Don't give up your memberships. And that was started by students. It's not well. I hope they started by students. It's not started by people like you and me, Adam. It started no. by people that are that that really find value above their memberships. Yeah. The value of human connection. The value of human uh, being sociable. Yeah, they, people they, can tell, Jeff. Can they? People can tell. If you're just a, if your student's just a cash cow, when when times get tough, they disappear. They're the guys that have left. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and that's that your and, your gym sounds like like my gym. Everyone's friendly. Everyone knows everyone's name. Yeah, I even like to give people individual abuse, tailored for them, <laughs> which you only know special. That's something that I'm yet to work on, the uh, tailored abuse. <laughs> that's, that's, when you know, that's when you know it's true love, Jeff, when you can abuse your students to the level that is bordering illegal and they still pay you a monthly money. They still pay yeah, their subs. Which Adam, sure. has, Adam has actually he's almost perfected. He's, he's a, uh, he, he, Corner even, of the market on that. I would even say he's almost like an amateur flasher. In Some the, of the innocent. shit he's done to me, I'm, I have to say, is probably illegal. <laughs> well, I would say it's definitely. I've seen it, Cong. No, it is illegal. It is illegal. It's definitely illegal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think the fact that everyone who, um, uh, yeah, has has been to the club has experienced some sort of abuse, but they're still there. So yeah. that's it's nice to know. One day he might give you a blue belt and then it might be worth it. Yeah, it's like a promise, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Are you allowed to give out blue belts, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> well, is this some sort of police thing? I didn't used to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I think you're right. That's so controversial. I think, I, think you're, I 
I think you're absolutely right. I think that one thing you do realise that that like you say, it's not just jujitsu. It's a, a, anything that people have in their life that is a passion. I do, however, have a bit of a theory on people that do martial arts having been a little bit misfit, a little bit having a little bit something. They're looking for something that they they've missed during their life. You know that that's. Yeah. There is definitely something to be said for that, but I, I do think that brings people back together, you know, and, and keeps yeah. the dream alive. So yeah. uh, that is that is pretty interesting. George, did you have a question for um, Jeff? Uh, mine's a complete tangent away from martial arts, but Jeff, you're quite into insects and bugs and things like that, aren't you? Do you have a collection? I do. Yeah, I do. I've got a uh, a, a huge collection of phasmids. What would you say is your kind of uh, favourite sort of uh, overall one of them or like particular variety of one? Um, I've got uh, I've got about fifteen different species of this, of stick insect. Um, have you? Um, what was that show uh, when uh, it was a few years ago? It was a guy making up all the past things in his life. Where he was a dick. What was that show? Oh, um, something. Oh, my name is. Yeah, Earl. my name is. My name is Earl. Yeah. He, he was making up for the shit in his life. Well, when I was yeah. a, when I was a kid, I've had various pets that I haven't cared for properly, and um, and stick insects was one of them, and um, I just let them let them sort of wither away and die in their uh, in their goldfish bowl. So I've made it a point to really care and look after. And also share it with my children. Uh, stick insects. They are amazing pets. Um, and I've got I've got all sorts of stick insects. And I've got um, two particular stick insects that uh, actually no, they're all pretty pretty interesting. Um, and I've got one that's like the second heaviest insect in the world. Wow. It lays the largest eggs of of any insect in the world uh, and it's called a jungle nymph and it's a, a lime green bright green creature a jungle nymph and uh, honestly they're unbelievable they are they are what got you into insects jeff okay um i don't know i think it was just um it was just I, is this I from a kid yeah, I always liked him as a kid. Always, always, always liked him as a kid. And um, we, you know, we used to dig him up in the garden. And I used to make Lego houses for him in the garden, and we used to find amazing ways to kill them in the garden as well, which is, <laughs> you know, what what, <laughs> what what a lot of boys do, I think. That's um, an amazing colour on it. I'm just looking at the jungle nymph now. Fantastic. Oh mate, they're they're unreal. They are absolutely unreal. And I've got uh, another one uh, which the name escapes me at this moment, but it's um it when it grows to its full potential, it's as long as the human forearm. Wow. Um, it's it's a massive one from uh the I think it's from the Philippines, but I'll have to find out the name again. Um, what? So look, what I'm doing now with my life is kind of like uh, my name is Al. And I'm going through the things that I didn't care for. And I'm, I've got in contact with people over Facebook who uh, I went to school with or I might not have been so nice to. 
and I'm doing all of that and I'm just being nice to people. I'm making up for all my wrongs that I did as a youngster. And is that from, that's cool. Is one of them. Is that from um, another question I wrote by the painter boy saw? Is that from your um, plant medicine you've been having? Is that sort of a uh, realization from that, a sort of a yeah. Um, yeah. introspective view on yeah. life you've had? Yeah, nice. It is. Like it. Are we it is. are we talking ayahuasca? Is that is that what we're talking? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that, that's what I have done. I have done a lot of that, uh, and um, uh, it does it does change uh, your your perspective on life, and it does make you see that. Um, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other podcast, so fellas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so branching off of that, what we and Adam have been talking about doing it, talking a good game about coming out and doing your cold water immersion that you're doing at the moment. How did that yeah. come about? And what what do you see the benefits of that are? Because I'm I'm mega interested in that, to be honest. Um, what's, where, uh, what's the okay. story behind that? So, um, I. I've got a couple of weird theories about that. Now, um, one of the main things, right, is um, as with all things, uh, when I started when I started doing MMA, right, I watched one of the main things I watched was choke. You've seen choke, boys. Yeah, yeah. And you can see how how watching things on TV, watching documentaries, can really inspire you and really motivate you. Now, that was the first time it happened. The second time it happened is watching the Wim Hof stuff. I watched the Wim Hof documentary, and I thought this guy is absolutely amazing, and he's the like the breathing and cold water guy, yeah, mm. yeah. So um, I looked at his stuff. I played around with with cold showers and things like that, and I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't do it, but I've always felt a calling. To the sea I've always felt a calling to the ocean and uh one of my um one of the guys that sort of helped me through my life is a guy called gareth um and he's he's written a book called how to undo the shit the modern world does to us um gareth riddy his name is right he's done this book and he's um part of my team and he's uh, he's a member at Basingstoke School of Martial Arts, Basingstoke, uh, Basingstoke, basically. Anyway, uh, I like the hippie aspect of the exchange of electrons between the Earth and us. And when we go barefoot on the Earth, you know, we get an exchange of electrons, uh, free electrons from the Earth, and they benefit our bodies in many different ways. Now, look into earthing anyway, lads, and, and you'll see, you know, that it's beneficial for us. Like, uh, mothers hold crying babies. Um, they, can't, they can't settle them. But when they put their feet on the ground, sometimes it's the only time that they can calm their babies because they're getting, they're getting these free electrons. Anyway, I like to believe in all of that, whether science backs it up or not. I don't care. That's what I like to believe. Now, you are never, ever, ever more earth than you are in the ocean or rivers. You are absolutely surrounded by the earth. It's enveloping you, it's holding you, it's it's on every part of your body. Now, I like to get in the sea, number one, for that, because I'm more connected with the earth than, than I can ever be anywhere else. Um, number two, 
all of the physical benefits for it. So um, one of the main ones is, um, you know, the your um, oh come on, what's it called? Oh, what's the system? Your your um, your second circulatory system. I can't remember the bloody name of it now. Um, come on, Dave, you would have done this. In the Endocrine. Stuff. No. Um, Adrenal. No, no, that's wrong. It's part of your glands. It's part of all your glands. Lymphatic. Um, lymphatic. That's it. Your lymphatic system. So uh, it really uh, gets that working. The cold squeezes um, squeezes your your capillaries and your and your lymphatic system, and it squeezes it and it gets it moving. Now, one of the things I thought about the first few times I went in the water and coming out of the water, my forearms ached. I mean, they, they ached like I've just had a, 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 a jiu-jitsu match. You know, a full-on, really, really tough gripping jiu-jitsu match. And they ached. And someone said to me, because I didn't really look at all the benefits, someone said to me, look, what's happening is, is the cold water is squeezing your capillaries and it's, and it's pulling out, uh, forcing out all the toxins with your blood, right? And it's pushing that out of your, 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 your muscles. That's crazy. Um, and now your all your organs in your body are cleaning your blood they're cleaning your blood and the fresh blood that gets fed back into your muscles is clean and pure and toxin free and the first few times it's it's cleaning that out so i'm a big believer in that it's you know it's really helping clean your body clean your muscles and um you know really uh really work that and that's I'm I'm sold on that. I'm sold on the earthing, and I'm sold on the the getting the um, the lymphatic system working and cleaning your body and making it purer, making your your systems work better, your organs work better. And and that's the the main two reasons why I do it. The other reason is um is the sense of accomplishment. Now, honestly, when I first got in the water and I came out. I've never been as cold as I as that, and I and I bought one of those dry robes instantly, one of these cold water um, or or cold sports robes that you just whack over, wet as you are, and it warms you up and it keeps you dry, keeps you protected from the elements. Um, so I bought one of them straight away. But <clears throat> the sense of accomplishment and the sense of pride that I got. I haven't felt for such a long time. It's that Adam, honestly, it's like winning, uh, uh, winning a bronze medal with the Euros, Adam. <laughs> no, that's what that's what you've done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I've done, right? Yeah. That that's the and how proud of you of winning that yeah, bronze yeah. medal? Yeah. Right. That's exactly how I felt of getting into a freezing cold, hostile ocean. With a Is couple it painful? Of yes, with a couple of mates, and it, it's painful, it makes your body cold, it, every part of your body screams to get out, right? And you, what you've got to do is you've got to fight against that um, knee-jerk reaction of, oh my God, it's freezing, I've got to get out. Yeah. yeah. And the sense of accomplishment of fighting against that is... Adam, it's the same as what I said to you then. It's, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I felt so much. Exhilarate. 
Oh, mm. mate, of winning that bronze medal at the Europeans, at the IBJF Euros, of winning that bronze, I was so proud of myself that I'd done yeah. that. I, I could do that, as I'm sure you were. And me. Did they, oh, yeah, Dave, what did you win? <laughs> you got a bronze as well. Well done, man. Well done. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember if it's silver or Just bronze. Mate. It's, it's, Dave, it's a really big thing, isn't it? Mega, mate. Yeah, mega. Yeah, it felt amazing. Oh, mate. And, and getting in the sea when no other fucker will do it. And, it and getting out. My little boy did it, but he did it. Well done, mate. <laughs> well done, can son. I two, can I ask you two simplistic questions on yeah. this? How yeah. long do you stay in for? Yeah. And B, does it hurt more when it goes over your tic tac? And is, oh. is that is that a is that? And I'm being deadly serious here because yeah. whenever I've been in cold water, yeah, it's yeah. when it's got Oops. to my tic tac is when I'm turning back. Yeah. But if I can get over the tic tac level, I'm pretty much good to go. What? Where have you done your cold water, Dave? Oh no, I haven't really. I mean, I'm just talking about because I do a bit of paddle boarding. Just generally being in the sea, do you know what I mean? I'm okay. not. I haven't done any cold water. Uh, yeah. I, I would never profess to saying I've done cold water immersion. I've been in the water when it's cold. Do you know what I mean? Okay. But not. Okay. Okay. So uh, thinking back to when I've done, um, when I've got in the sea in the summer, and it's when you get in the sea in the summer, the tic tac is a problem because you go in, and you think, oh my god, here we go. This is the cold bit. This is the cold bit. Right. But the moment you put your feet in in the sea at this time of year or in i mean i started in i think we started in february the moment you put your feet in the water that is the tic-tac moment every every other bit of your body that goes in you don't care about because the feeling is the same until you get to your head until you get to your head the head is a whole nother level right get your head under there are a lot of clubs um there are a few groups around Bournemouth that don't put their head in um we go in we put our head in um so I went with a good friend of mine uh, Mal he's an ex uh ex special forces guy and he's the guy that got me into it Mal his name is and he's an absolute legend this guy he got me in and this goes back to your other question Dave is how long do you do it for so we go in uh initially um it was uh we do 20 seconds and the, this is the rules. <clears throat> you go in for 20 seconds. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me, Corona. You go in for 20 <laughs> seconds. And um, after that 20 seconds, you get your head wet. You go under, you dive in, you go. Right? After that 20 seconds, we can't start a count of 200. And the 200 seconds is what he told me. He said the 200 seconds is when you start to get your body starts to is, is at the point where it starts to get the benefits or the benefits start okay so i think that's around three minutes 20 mm. so that was what we started with and i did that for the first few times i'm up to 10 minutes now wow. was your body telling you to get out from like second one get out get out no too, not now too cold not now Dave. um um adam the first um the first six times you do, first six times, um, then your apparently your physiology changes, right? Your body's response changes, and yeah. uh, and I will honestly speak to you as as true as I can. It really, really does. After that first six times, you've done those six core sessions in the water of 
of uh, 200 seconds, your physiology, well, I don't know if your physiology changes, but your attitude changes. And my, I've, I've done no testing to do it apart from how I feel. And it, it feels unreal. Um, the last time I went in was a few days ago. Um, and I've never, ever, ever been colder than I have before. Um, and it was, the, the sea was, I don't know if it was any different. I think it was about seven degrees. It felt really, really cold. And we did 10 minutes. It was me and a couple of friends. We did 10 minutes. We just stayed in the water. We immersed our entire bodies. And I come out and I was freezing. Uh, and that was the coldest I've been after it, apart from the first time. And um, But it's not going to stop me from getting back in. Because it's, I am absolutely um committed to this now i am i am in on this and and, and it's a real world benefit it's a proper mm. body hack of feeling good um and there's so many ways that it makes you feel good because we're all doing it right we're all doing it to feel better yeah. we don't do it it's uh, i don't do it anyway and the guys that i've met don't do it uh, they don't do it for um for the uncomfortable of it they do it because they want to feel good about themselves and they want to feel better. And getting in the cold water has so, so, so many benefits of making you feel better. Mm. And do you, swim, do you swim in there or do you just stand there, Jeff? I do now. Swim for a little swim? bit. Yeah, it's nice. nice. Not, not, like I say, we're only in for 10 minutes. Um, and the sea has been an absolute shithead lately. The waves have been massive. But... Dave, going back to what you said about the the um, getting past your nuts, um, when you get in the sea this time of year, when it's rough, you haven't got a fucking choice, mate. <laughs> you get in, <laughs> you're getting up to your knees. The next wave that comes along is up to your fucking chest, mate. <laughs> right. So the sea takes takes the choice out of out of the equation. That's oh, nice, actually. I swear to God, I swear to God, it's really uh, it's really good. And so, you know what? This is something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So we're going to do this with you, Jeff, because me we're and Adam down, said, Jeff. we're coming down. Yeah. Great. Right, we're, we're going to come down and do it because I, I'm definitely <coughs> interested in connecting with the earth. And I remember bit sitting at um, and my old colleagues at Soho Fire Station. We had a big thing about, do you remember those earthing cables you used to get? Yeah. 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 I remember sitting at the busiest fire station in London with earthing cables on my feet all hanging out, hitting, put, touching metal posts and things like that, because the whole watch had this thing that we were that we were going to connect to the earth uh, in the middle of the West End with loads of smog and nasty business. Yeah. But you did generally feel better. I don't know whether it was psychosomatic, but you definitely felt a difference. And, you know, I've got a, I'm a bit like you. I've got an affinity to the water. I feel very, you know, empowered. That's why I moved down to the coast, you know, empowered by the sea. Yeah. Um, I just haven't, I guess, explored it to that level, apart from, you know, falling off a paddleboard a couple of times. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely something, I think. Um, and I think probably a lot of people would be paranoid that it would lower their immune system, but it, it doesn't do that, does it? it actually well, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the old, the old lady thing, isn't it? Saying, <laughs> they've all always gotten a cold. Don't you catch a cold? Don't get in the cold water. But if not, it boosts you up. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. It Amazing. picks you up. And, um, um, Are the beaches shut now, Jeff? Can you get down there now, or is it all... Obviously, we um, keep two metres distance from everyone. You're not... You can go down on your own. 
or you can go down. Yeah. You know, you can go down in twos. They don't want you driving there, do they? They don't want you driving down there. That's what they're saying. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. At the minute yeah. they don't, so it's difficult to get down there. It is. Mm. It's difficult to get down there, and it's 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 coming the worst time for for what I'm doing. But um, you know, as long as they're not interacting with anyone, that's, that's, I suppose that's all right. But when this is all over, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it back up and yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's not going anywhere, is it? With, yeah, and it's not. It's not. And um, Dave, I love that. Um, like you can get earthing mats and earthing cables and and all that sort of stuff. I started earthing my water. You know, you pour it out the taps because we've got plastic pipes here. Pour out the taps into a into a pot, and then I've got a little copper wire that comes out, and I can just plug the water in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of a lot of writings about it. There's a lot of theory yeah. to it, and it's it's not a. When you when you when when they got it at work, I was like, oh, this is fucking mad. It can't be. This is yeah. rubbish. But yeah. actually, when you hear the theories behind it, it's actually very interesting, and it and it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. about the fact that you know we're wearing shoes all the time, not having any contact with the yeah, earth. Yeah, the rubber shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty interesting. It really, really is. There's a. I, I'll send Adam uh, and Dave. I'll send you guys a little. There's a little 13 or 14 minute documentary about the science of earthing. Cheers, mate. Um, where look, guys, whether it is psychosomatic, the placebo effect is powerful. It is powerful, mm. and and um, um, I, you know, it's powerful if you believe it's powerful. It kind of doesn't matter, does it? I mean, the thing is, people do play things down that are psychosomatic, and I guess if it is negative, if if you're having a psychosomatic cough because you think you got the coronavirus, that mm. probably is negative. But if you, yeah. if psychosomatics means you do something that makes you feel really confident and really powerful and really good. Mm then psychosomatic is what we're all looking for. That's why we do jiu-jitsu. That's why we do anything. That's why you get in the water, isn't it? Yeah. Because you, yeah. it makes you feel like a king amongst yes. men. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and I think we, w- uh, one of the things we've been talking about on this podcast actually primarily is that life is very safe. We mm. don't experience or we don't often, people don't step out of their box and experience, yeah. you know, extreme temperatures feelings you know yeah. uh, pain pleasure you know it, you, you, we are limited and actually yeah. to go and look for natural things that you know like running through the forest or mm. you know i mean people used to take the piss out of people hugging trees didn't they but actually you know what it is you know whatever makes you feel good whatever whatever has a psychosomatic response has got to be worth doing isn't it you mm. know what i mean definitely um and I can sort of link link a couple link in a couple of questions here, Dave, that you've asked me before. Um, so with the with the psychedelics that you said, and with what you've just said now of stepping out of your comfort zones, um, with when I've done the the psychedelics uh, as as a part of healing, a big thing of it is is stepping out of your comfort zones. And I I read something years ago that said that um, that fear is a is a poor teacher, um, but I don't think it is. I think it's a it's an amazing teacher fear if you can confront it. Now since I've done um, psychedelics and previously I was um, scared of spiders, uh, scared of the dark, 
and I was scared of heights and I've jumped out of a plane, I've held tarantulas, I've I've done like really big psychedelic trips and all of these things and, and getting in the sea is just another um I was I was scared of water as well, not drinking water obviously because I'd be dead. <laughs> um but I was scared of um like swimming in the sea because I couldn't see what was coming up and you know pretty much uh, you know al- almost it seems like I've said it to you now is um a fear of nature almost mm. um and um doing the the psychedelic stuff has connected me with it more and with me it's connected me to the fears that I've had before and getting in the sea on in the cold just you know is is one of those fears that my body's completely overcoming and overcome and and it's it makes you, I well look, I'm yet to see all of the benefits I really am but I'm enjoying doing it mm. and and it makes me feel good and a strange thing about it is is I've attracted a lot of people um, that have wanted to do it and that are doing it and some that are doing it anyway and what a great little community there is out there mm, mm. yeah absolutely you're, guys you'll see when you come and do it with me you'll see yeah. honestly you'll see the um when we can get big groups of people to get together again um we will i want to get um my i'd, I'd like to get 50 people on a weekend yeah to do it um when we can 50 50 of us getting in the sea doing it for as long as you want and then we'll grow from there i really 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 um because you know it's not for anything else other than feeling good and i want to do that um it's amazing really because i remember going i used to work at kentish town where is um hampstead heath and when you've got 70, 80-year-old men and women breaking the ice to get in the West Hampstead ponds to go for a swim in the morning, and that's fact. That's what they do. Brilliant. You can definitely see the benefit. They've got swimming clubs down there that do it. You know, rain, shine, summer, winter, they're there Brilliant. every morning. They've got lifeguards yep. there, but they're breaking the ice to get into the water. It, is, it does show you how powerful it, yeah. it can be. You know, you know these are these are considered elderly people. You know, I think there's definitely something in it. You know, I'm not saying it's like a youth elixir or nothing like that, or like cocoon or whatever. But you know, it's, it's definitely there's definitely. <laughs> remember cocoon? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. 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 Hey, you look like one of the aliens, Dave. You look like one of the aliens. Better looking like Frodo out of freaking or or. Uh, I thought I was Bob Hoskins, mate. You've got a bit of Hoskins, a bit of Frodo, a bit of Doubtfire going on. (laughs) We need to get this podcast on video so people can appreciate your little face. So you've got a question, Kerry, for for Jeff, and then we'll probably wrap it up. What's your question for Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, sadly, COVID obviously forced you to close the doors of the club. uh, And I'm just wondering what the response was from your community uh that you've got down there you know um, have you had a lot of support of people reached out to you and things yes um from the the pretty much from the moment i announced that we had to close and i and i closed on the the tuesday uh, adam when did you close the monday but we were talking we were talking all the way through so yeah, yeah we were talking yeah i tried i tried yeah. to keep in touch with i kept in touch with everyone 
that runs a jiu-jitsu academy in Bournemouth on those mm. over those um few days, Adam. Mm. Um and just to find out what they were doing and when they were gonna close and what they were gonna do. But um from my community, the the moment I announced that I was gonna close, they said, Jeff, uh, keep my membership going you've got my support um, and these are all guys that I've made an absolute connection with and and people that um, either that have been attracted to my club and and the people in my club um, and um, it, honestly it's been overwhelming the amount of people that have wanted to continue to pay their 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 memberships um, over this time yeah it, it's you know, I, I'm 100% positive unless this goes on for months and months and months and months. 100% mm. positive I'll have a full membership when I go back to my academy. That's great. Yeah. Because of because of the amount of people that have, um, you know, they invest in, Adam, people invest in me and you, mm. don't they? And they invest in, in what we do for them and what they get from the people at our academy. Yeah. The team, everyone that gets involved. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's a big part of their life. You know. Yeah. Dave that's and great. his amazing morning sessions. Yes. Yeah, that's it, man. That's it. That's the that's what people come for. They come for, they come for that, and 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 it's a big part of their lives. And 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 even though we're in a small world, because I, I you know, I do think it is a small world that we're in the jiu-jitsu community it's it's very the the combat community is a very small community it, with with regards to the population but we've we've got a quite a close community in our own little small circles of that yeah. we've got a close yeah. community and and it shows it shows and it, and it will show those yeah. clubs that um have had loads of people leave and those clubs that um, will won't survive this are either very very new, I think, or very very big. And those clubs that are new and those clubs that are really big, that are impersonal or that's a problem. The new ones have just got oh you know oh we went to this new club and it was really really nice, but I didn't really know anyone and so that club's gone now. But it's a big club. Oh yeah, it's really really good. I only know a couple of people there because it's so busy, and they're not they're not personal enough. Yeah. And, and those places with the big overheads, the big memberships, they're the ones that are going to go. Um, and the the really small, the really new ones as well. They're probably the ones that suffer as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. I think they're right. Yeah, you know, I think that I, th I think that's how it is. You know, if yeah. you if you've got a massive club, a huge membership, and you don't know who these regular guys are coming all the all the time, and you know, you hand out stripes to people that you've never met or never seen before, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> they're like, I can do jujitsu somewhere else. I can do jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Our small community, as I said before, jujitsu is jujitsu. Wherever you go, you can go left, yeah. right, north, south, east, west jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu it's the people and the other people that attract you and keep you in those academies and yeah, and yeah. that's where your community comes from and that's where the loyalty comes from um yeah. so i'm i'm lucky i've put nine years of work 
into my academy and I've got some nice, lovely, loyal people that I'm, I'm, I'm proud enough to call my friends. I'm lucky enough to call my friends and, um, you know, they are supporting me. They will be That's supporting great. me. When the club reopens, they will be supporting me. Mm. Uh, that's great. Good to hear, Jeff. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah, no, it's important for our community, even though no, the community hates hates each other. <laughs> Not I love us. everyone. Last I love everyone, Jeff. I know, we're all right. No, you fucking don't, Adam. But we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming right, for mate. everyone. We're all right. I'm coming we're for them. Right. <laughs> so I think it, it, it's been great to have you on, Jeff, and um, I Pleasure. think we should definitely get you back to talk about ayahuasca because it's something I'm a hundred percent interested in. Um, and I think there's a lot of conversations we can have about medical cannabis, ayahuasca, loads of things that I'm, I'm, I've had a, a keen in, interest in, in a while. And I think, uh, my experiences and things like that. And, um, I, and I think there'd be a lot of people be really interested in, hearing about it especially when this is done and people are looking for a bit of enlightenment because when you spent three months at home maybe or yeah. 12 weeks at whatever it's going to be yeah. um people are going to be looking I'll for be something to expand yeah. but that'll be yeah. that'll be good mate if you can i'm sorry jeff go on it's a whole um like i say it's a whole podcast worth of stuff that is uh, i've promised um Dan Strauss for a long time to go on and talk about mostly that and um but there'll be there'll be loads and loads and loads to share so uh yeah yeah brilliant we'll get you back mate we'll get you back there's plenty plenty more weeks to cover now so we'll have plenty of time to chat but um just interestingly James Wilkes had three fights in the UFC after the ultimate fight oh did he uh, and he only he only won one of them uh he won he beat Peter Sabata uh okay. Um, and he lost to Matt Brown and Claude Patrick. So, you know, whether he was suffering some uh, injuries or whatever, but, you know, yeah. it's not bad. He's, he's done all right afterwards, I think. And for a lad. Ross Pearson, he had a couple of wins. Yeah. Uh, quite, actually, quite a few wins. I think he was probably, apart from, you know, Ross Pearson was in there for the longest. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I think. In the UFC. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I just had like a weird. Weird flashback then, Jeff, about your elbow. When did you have your operation on your elbow? Uh, when was that? I like 20, now, but yeah, I did 20, have an operation. 2012? Yeah. 20... yeah, 2012, I think. Because remember, you showed me your tattoo because it went over like the. Um, where they the like, cut you and they put it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they put it back like it looked amazing. That's. Mm. You've got a weird flashback then. That's weird. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's still bad. Is it? And the other one's bad now, but it's recovering because I'm not exercising quite so much. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was some, you know, go back to the NHS again. Amazing, you know, amazing work. Cause I, I remember being really impressed, like, you know, because you, you know, you're tattooed all over and you got, just looks like there's nothing there. It's like a perfect. He's a very good surgeon. Yeah. yeah. But the NHS are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. 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 Really, yeah. Really Thanks that. again to the NHS. Yeah. So I think that's it, boys. Thanks, Kronk. Thanks, George. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks, Adam. And thanks, Jeff, for coming thanks, on. Thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks, lads. Quality, thanks, right? Jeff. Lovely Cheers, chatting. Jeff. And, uh, Adam. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think we've got Trevor Birmingham on the next episode, haven't we? Uh, Is that right? Mickey G. Mickey, Mickey G. G. Next, next up. Mickey oh, G. Next G. Up. Muay Thai. Mickey. Trevor on? 
uh, Friday next week. He's as and mad as a box of socks. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. All he's he's All actually right. called Tripod, is his name. If you need any um, any questions of Trev, I can give you some questions. Yeah, fire them over, Jeff. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get you back on, yeah. Jeff. Get you back yeah. on for the Trev edition. You could be an interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Nice That'd one. Funny. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, cheers, lads. Cheers. Thanks, Jeff. No night, guys. No night. No night. Yeah.